Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. And I think this, this week might be the most important for everyone around us. The most important thing for the world around us is this message right here. In week one, we, we established this big idea. And if you, if you miss this idea, the rest of the series is basically, you can just toss it out. But if you are a Christ follower, um, you're tempted with this idea to go to work and to think about your paycheck and to think about your boss and to think about all the people that you feel like you're working for. How many of you got more than one manager that you work for? You're like, I don't like them and I like this one, but not that one. And, and, and there's this temptation to think that you work for that company or you work for that boss, you work for that paycheck, or if you're your own business owner, you work for yourself. And, and Paul wrecks that idea. He wrecks that mentality with this big idea of if you are a Christ follower, you've got to change gears and you have to actually think, I work for Jesus. He puts it in this phrase, you work as unto the Lord. And if that doesn't take place, everything else I say is, is really hard to kind of get your heart wrapped around because that's the pivot point. That's the point that says, if I can do that, everything else will begin to fall in its place. I must see my job. I must see my, my career. I must see my gifts and talents. I'm using all that and working as unto the Lord. Now, last week we talked about this idea of not only does God want you to work as unto the Lord, I actually think that God wants to use you on your job, and God wants to promote you so that somehow he can use that promotion to make a kingdom difference. And we talked about these six principles, I think, of promotion that are found in the life of Joseph. Really interesting message. And then this week, we talk again about this big idea. And this idea is really going to make some of you cringe. Some of you are going to be like, oh my gosh. All right, I know where you're going. You have to, you know, it's one of those. But what I want you to do is this. I need you to give me the benefit of the doubt for the next few moments. Is that okay? Because what I want to talk to you about today is, is really that as a Christ follower, now if, you, if, if you're not a Christ follower, you're going to appreciate what I say right now. Okay? If, if you don't believe in God and you work around some Christians, you're going to be like, oh, thank God. I don't know that you'd say thank God, but you would say thank somebody that you, you addressed this. because I'm. T-. But what I want to talk to you about today is, is your responsibility to actually share your faith in the workplace. Like, As a Christ follower, we have a responsibility to kind of like say, hey, look, it is not enough for me to know God or to find salvation or to have forgiveness in this life and to have hope for the future. And then me keep that all to myself. It is important that I share my faith with others. And let's just be honest, the workplace is probably the number one environment that we would be able to share our faith. And the kickback, I get the kickback because here's, here's what, you know what my biggest kickback was? My biggest kickback was I didn't want to be like the obnoxious Christians that had bothered me when I was a sinner and loved it. That's not, no, nobody ever. See, I, when I was a sinner and loved it, I, I had this obnoxious guy in my life who was so difficult and so overbearing and so harsh and so in my face and so all the time we were like, yes, yes, shut up. I might even get saved just to, 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 to shut you up. And, and it was like one of those things where he was just kind of overbearing and harsh or you have that obnoxious Christian that they got the Christian bumper stickers and they got the Christian coffee mug and then they're handing out things to you at work and, and they're just kind of uh, obtrusive. They're, they're odd, they're weird, they're funky, they're goofy. And let me help you out real quick here. If, if, especially if you're not a believer today. Okay. Here's what you need to know. Some people um, are weird, right? Are y'all tracking with me? I feel, like, I feel like I took a left turn and y'all didn't come with me. Um, some people are weird, right? And, and, and because of that, you have sometimes weird Christians who, who, who make Christianity weird, okay? Now, I'm going to help you real quick here. They was weird before they met Jesus. 
I just need you to know that. See, what happens is sometimes people are just weird. This is why, like, Christian, unchristian, they're just weird. And then what they do is they get saved, and then they blame their weirdness on God. But in reality, they was weird before they met God, and that's just them. Does that make sense? That's not Jesus. And so, but, but my point is, is that I, that was my kickback. I don't want to be like them. I, I remember seeing people on the street corner yelling at people. I remember seeing the guy with the, the sandwich billboard saying, turn or burn. You know, I didn't want to be the turn or burn guy. Todd, don't ask me to be the turn or burn guy. Don't ask me to tell everybody that they're going to hell. I don't, I'm not, I don't even know how that works. So I, I, I don't want you to be that guy. Actually, what I'd like you to do is just think of it like this. What I want you to do is to do what you already do anyway, which is this. You already talk about stuff that you like and care about, right? I just know that to be true. I know that, that whenever I get around certain people, all of a sudden we just start to, if you ever get around Delano, dear God, don't bring up health and fitness, Okay, this guy, I mean, we'll start talking about squat and deadlift techniques and dietary supplements. And, what, and it's just, he'll go on and on. And I enjoy it. But that's just, oh, my gosh. And you get around. There's another guy at church named Ray. If you bring up guns and knives, my gosh, you're in it for half an hour. And it's fun. You're talking about all kinds of different blades and fighting styles. And you're like, I'm glad he's in my church and loves Jesus, you know. I'm glad he's not working for the other guy. So, so but my, my point is like, no matter, you, you ever get around like certain, certain women and like you get around my wife, don't bring up your ailment, okay? Because there's an oil for that and she's going to tell you about it and give it to you because there's an oil for everything. She's going to rub some ginger and cocoa butter and some, some lavender and some, some is she going to mix a concoction? That, that's what, so if you get, how many of you know somebody like that? You, just, you get around that guy in fantasy football and they won't shut up about their sleeper pick and what they got in the fourth round. And did you know I, I traded this guy right? And you just, oh my gosh. What I want you to do is to consider that you already talk about things that you care about and things that are important to you. What I want you to do is consider that where is your faith important to you? How is this something that has added value to you? And figure out how it is that I can actually talk about it because you do it naturally already. Everybody say, okay. The other issue that I think that, that people run into is I find some people that kick back on the idea of sharing their faith and their kickback is different than mine. Um, their kickback is, is stuff like, well, Todd, you don't, you don't know what my workplace is like. I, I wouldn't even dare bring that up. And so what I do is this. When I'm at work, I talk about work stuff. And when I'm at church, I'll talk about church stuff. But we don't blend the two. I don't talk about God. I don't talk about faith on my workplace, Todd. You don't, I, that wouldn't go over well. And, and the problem is, is that works as, as long as everybody's going to heaven, right? As long as everybody was going to heaven, that would be a good philosophy of life. But the reality is, is that everybody spends eternity somewhere, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And so don't, you, you need to resist the urge, because this is a weird mentality that some Americans have. They believe that their faith is very personal and very private. And that's not true. Actually, your faith should be incredibly personal, but never private. Never once in the scriptures do you see this idea of, oh, your faith? No, you just keep that to yourself. Shh, shut up. Don't talk about it. Don't let other people know. That, that's the opposite of what you find in Jesus, in the apostles, in the teaching in the New Testament. So you can't say, hey, look, I'm just going to leave this for here because what you need to know is this. All them co-workers that you have, you need to know that they are of incredible value to your heavenly father. You need to know that Jesus loves them dearly to the point that he would sacrifice his own life for their eternal salvation. 
That's how big of a deal this is. So you can't just say, well, I, I leave church for church stuff and I leave. You don't do that with your wife anyway, do you, right? But guys, think about this real quick here. You don't go into your office and be like, look, babe, when I'm at home, I'm married. But when I'm at work, I'm not married anymore. I do not carry my relationships with me to work. Right? Like I take my ring off in the car, and that's where the relationship starts. Because you do that, buddy, you'll be sleeping in that car real quick. Does that make sense? Or you ought to be. So, so, so my point is, is that your relationship with Jesus does not stop on Sunday morning. It does not stop when you, you know, get into the parking lot at work. We don't compartmentalize like that. Here's another issue that I see with certain Christians when I think about their kickback in sharing their faith. Some people have the, uh, the prepper mentality. The, I call this the Christian prepper. You know what preppers are, right? They got like a bunker with food and guns and ammo and all that. Like, God, what's my... Oh, y'all need to liven up this morning. Yeah, you help somebody out. Um, okay, so like there are certain Christians though that are like, hey, look, I'm going to save, but this whole world's going to burn. And they're all sinners. And you, what you end up looking at is you end up, well, I'm not going to be a part of the world. I'm not going to hang out with those people. I'm not going to associate myself with those people. Them people are sinners and heathens and pagans, and they're all going to split hell wide open. So we're going to just hunker down and wait till Jesus returns. Okay, that, that, that's not true either because Really, what, what that mentality says is that the world and culture and people are somehow the enemy. People are not the enemy. People are the object of his affection. We don't have a hunker down mentality. Just hold on till Jesus returns. All things are going to go to hell anyway. This earth's going to burn. Get rid of that ridiculous mentality. People are of incredible value to your heavenly father. You are not meant to distance yourself from them. You are meant to engage with them. So with that being said, in light of those things, I want to read to you something that Jesus said. And he said this to the masses. So this wasn't like a little talk with the disciples and it was just for certain people. This was to the masses. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says this. He said, you are the light of the world. Then he goes on to like illustrate it. He goes like a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, here's what you may not know is that this is not a brand new idea. Like he's talking to these people, you're the light of the world. They weren't like, oh, you're kidding. I never considered that. Actually, this is something that they had been thinking about and reading about since the book of Isaiah. This was an idea. Believe it or not, you ever get the idea, if you take first glance at the Bible, especially the Old Testament, you can get this notion that God liked the Jews and really didn't care about anybody else. You're like, he chose them, he blessed them, he spoke to them, he gave them scripture. He gave, it seemed like he liked them and didn't like anybody else. And that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. What you'll find is this, is that God was in the earth working in all cultures and all people groups. And I don't have time to explain that. It just happened to be that he chose Israel. And this is why you need to know why this took place. Is I think when God was looking at how am I going to influence the world, he started with a man that turned into a family that became a nation. He thought this, what if I can have a people who will so connect to me that they will show the rest of the world what God is like. What if I show a nation that's so blessed that the other nations will look around and be like, why are they so blessed? They don't have a king. They don't do things like everybody else does. They have different laws and they have different ways of treating 
other people like, what is that all about? Why are they so blessed? Why are they so happy? Why are they so full of joy? Why are they prospering? Why, why are they such a great nation? We want to be a great nation. What are they doing that we're not doing? So that one day Israel could say, hey, let me tell you about my God. Because it's the only reason that we're different than any other nation on this planet. And you know what? This was spoken in the book of Isaiah. Listen to this, this whole idea of being a light of the world. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew. So he was saying, look, this whole idea that it's just you and you're the chosen ones and you're blessed by God, but nobody else, he goes, that's ridiculous. That's too small. Of my, that's not my idea. My idea is so huge. It's not about just you because you found Jesus or you found faith or you found hope and salvation. It's about using you to reach the whole world. The idea for you to know God and keep it to yourself is a small idea. And he finishes with the idea that, that my salvation may reach where? Like Everywhere, like the whole place, the whole thing to the ends of the earth. Israel was meant to be the light to the entire world. Now, I think they missed it because you see all kinds of different times in their history where they're totally inward focused or they're totally sin focused or they're just having a wreck of a time. And Jesus shows back up and said, let's not forget this big idea that you are the light of the world. That's how this thing is supposed to go down. And then he uses two big illustrations, right? Notice the, the illustrations where he said, you are a city on a hill. Now, I just want you to know, like, that's a big deal. And I'll tell you why it's a big deal. They didn't have highways like you and I have highways. They didn't have flashlights. They didn't have batteries. They didn't have LEDs. They didn't have cars with headlights on them. And when you traveled at night, it was dark. Like, can you imagine, like, being in an area where there's no electricity, and you're, so the way they would travel is they would literally leave one village or town and they would plan, okay, we can get to this village or town by, before nightfall because you did not want to travel at night. And when the sun started setting, the greatest hope that you could have is to see that city set on a hill. Now, a city was normally set on a hill for defensive purposes as well, but like it was also that you would see the lights and the torches and the lanterns and all that in the city. And that was the hope of your salvation. You're like, because I don't know if you know, think about it. Like this area of the world, you're dealing with animals and scorpions and snakes and all kinds of wild critters and animals, not to mention bandits and robbers. It's not like there's highway patrol out there guarding everybody. There's no police forces. There's no, it's a chaotic, archaic kind of dog-eat-dog world. And they're like, but if I can get to that place. And now, what he was saying was this, is your life ought to reflect a light that other people see and think, if I could just get to that that's what your life ought to look like. And the next one is this. He goes, I, not only are you a city on a hill, but you're like a lamp in a home. Now, I don't know if you, if you have you, anybody had the power go out recently? If you have the power go out at night, it gets eerie, doesn't it? You, don't, you didn't realize how much that little microwave, you know, that little flashing, flickering microwave, microwave light, like that's a big deal. Like the VCR, not the VCR, the... Yeah, see how old I am. Some of you are like, what's a VCR, Daddy? Um, you shut up. You know, that's a... Whatever, like, you, all these little lights, the clock, the little red numbers on your clock, you, you would be amazed. When we take for, ever take for granted going in the house and just flicking on the light, wait till the power goes out. I did this not too long ago. My wife wanted me 
this is hilarious. My wife wanted me to change out all the electrical sockets in our house because half of them were cream and half of them were white, and that just won't do in my house. So rather than call an electrician like I ought to have, me and my dumb buddy decide we can do this. It can't be that hard. I watched a YouTube video. So I electrocuted myself shortly after that YouTube video, but I finally figured out how to do it. But something, we crossed something. And I went to go flip on the light by the sink. And I'm telling you, the whole house just... I mean, we, the whole thing just shut down and it is pitch black. Because this is like midnight and my buddy's done gone home. I'm calling him, waking him up at 1 a.m. because I can't figure it out. And so you, you got to think like pitch black, dark, and there's no light. That is a thing we take for granted. I tell you what, tonight, here's what I want you to do. At 1 a.m., I want you to go out. I want you to just turn the breaker off to the whole house and then see how you feel. So that's your application for today. So in their homes, they did not have a switch. They didn't have anything that they could do. They didn't have sockets they had to change either. Bless God, them men didn't have to change no cream to white sockets. But they had no light. And so a lamp was a really big deal. And so they have this big room. And bless God, I just put this lamp right in the middle so that it would give light and illumination and energy and warmth to the entire house. And Jesus is saying, that's you. You should be right there in the middle giving some warmth giving some illumination, giving some life and some energy, some hope, some sense of safety. That should be you. You should be the light of the world. We don't put baskets on top of lamps because that's dumb. We don't hide our lights. Isn't that what we say? You don't put a basket on top of a light. How many of y'all grew up in church? Real quick, as little kids. Little kids grew up in church. All right, now if you, if you grew up in church, you should know this song. If you didn't grow up in church, you missed out on this but I'm going to help you recapture it right now. Y'all remember this song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. I had to do it. We were singing that little kids like, yeah, I've got a light. Jesus in my heart. I'm going to share it with the world. And we grow up. And we're starting to think about our coworkers and how this, and we're like, this little light of mine, it's mine, you better get your own, sucker. <laughs> this little light of mine, it's mine, you can't have none of this. We all of a sudden just put the basket on the light. And I don't know why Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't miss the boat again. The whole point was for you to be the light of the world that other people would look to you and find hope, find faith, find security, find safety, find all these different things. And you would show the world what God looked like. And so today I want to help you. I want us to just like, hey, let's take the basket off the light. Let's go ahead and re-engage with culture. Let's decide that, you know what, my unsaved, crazy neighbor, friend, co-worker, hairdresser, whatever it is, they need to know Jesus. Because this is, this is what you think about. Everybody say, I am. All right, with a little bit of gusto. Oh, y'all, y'all jumping on? Let's, let's do it together. I am the light of the world. That's me. I'm, I'm the light of the world. That's me. Now, here, here's, here's like an obvious question you need to ask yourself. This is the question you need to ask yourself. What kinds of environments need light? You guys are brilliant. It's dark, dark places. Dark places. Dark places. Now, I just want you to know something right now. 
I'm glad that you're here. And I want you here every Sunday morning. Really important that you be here. But like, I don't need your light in here. It's already light in here. Right? There's a bunch of believers in here. Worshiping Jesus. It's already light in here. I'll prove it to you how light, how light is in here. Like, like, there are people sitting next to you right now. You have no idea what they did last night. They did all kinds of crazy, godless, weird, crazy nuts things. But, but up in here, it, we're light, right? Like, we didn't come in here. You just looked at your neighbor right there. Like, mm, he's talking about you. Um, but, but, but like the light is already in here. We're magnifying and glorifying Jesus. We're reading from the words of Scripture. We're already light in here. Most of you, most of you, not all of you, but most of you, your home is light, right? So when you think about like, okay, at church, uh, I, it's already lit there. Well, not that, but it, <laughs> there's already light there. And in my home, don't be getting lit at home. Just, just be a light in your home, Okay. And at work, don't be getting lit there. But when you think about your home and your church, those places already have illumination. What is the place for your life, for most of you, that is the dark place? It's your work environment. And it can be the most challenging thing to do that. And I want to give you like some ways to like help you. Because I know what some of you are like. You're like, Todd, you don't know what my employment is like. And you don't know. I would get into trouble. So here, I just want to help you. Because I, if you were here on week one, you know, like I was a server at a restaurant. I worked at Blockbuster. What's Blockbuster, daddy? Shut up again. Um, you, you, like I worked in all kinds of environments. And I remember feeling the pressure and both the challenge. And what I want you to see you're working by is like, what's the challenge that I have? And how can I navigate that? Jesus told his disciples when they went into a town to share their faith, to spread the gospel, to help build the kingdom. He said these words, I want you to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. As wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. What he was saying is this, you better be crafty. You better be thoughtful. You better be strategic. You better pick your places. You better have incredible timing. But go in there with this like incredible sense of like peace and innocence and love and hope like that. You balance those ideas. And so that's what I'd like to do in the next few minutes here is help you balance those ideas. How do I take the light into my workplace? A few things that I've learned from my own experience and some people that are just great at this. Number one is this. Everybody say character. Okay, like three people here and two people there. Okay, so all right. Everybody take a sip of coffee. Or Red Bull. Let's try this again. Everybody say character. Yeah. There you go. Now you're with me. Um, at some point in your work experience, there should be a differentiation between how you conduct yourself and how maybe everybody else does. At some point, there ought to be something that separates you where they're like, hey, when we were all bad-mouthing the boss, I noticed you're like, you, you weren't a part of that. What, what, what's up with that? I, I noticed that when we went to the conference and everybody went out for drinks and we went and hit the bar and went and hit the thing, and went, you know what I'm talking about? And, but you didn't go. You were like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm just going to go back to the hotel. I noticed that when, like, when like the, the, the company was talking about layoffs and you know, downsizing this, and like everybody was stressed out and cussing mad, and you seemed to be so much at peace. What, what's, what is that? At some point, they should ask the question, why are you different than everybody else? Why is it that you have a peace about you, a joy about you, an honesty and an integrity about you? What is it that makes you different? And here, be careful now. I do not want you to say something like, well, I don't believe. I don't, nobody cares what you don't believe. You ever thought about that? They just did an atheist conference in North Carolina and it literally was canceled days before because they couldn't get enough signups. You know why? Because nobody cares about what you don't believe. Right? Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I thought that was funnier than... 
I thought that was funny. <laughs> Nobody cares about what you don't believe. So, so don't be rolling up. Talking about, well, I don't believe. Because well, here's the problem. One of the things that the church runs into and Christians as a whole run into is that they are more known in the, in the world for what they're against than what they're for. And we need to flip that. Because I'm for a whole bunch of great things. And I, that doesn't mean I have to be anti everybody else. Does that make sense? Let me be for some things. And so I don't want you to be like, so why didn't you go to the thing? Well, I don't want you, well, I don't believe. No, 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 no. I don't want you to talk about what you believe or what you don't believe. I don't necessarily, I don't want you to talk about what you do or don't do. You know what I'd love for you to do? I'd love for you to, again, think about that idea. It's like, hey, let me tell you what, man, what God has done in my life, what, what God has shown me, what God's brought me from, like there's something in you. I don't put it this way. I don't want you to talk about what you do or don't do. I want you to talk about who you know. And because of what he has done in your life, that's the difference maker. Remember that whole idea of you're not relieving, you're leaving your relationships at home when you step into that workplace? I'm not asking you to go share with people a creed. I'm asking you to go and share and say, hey, this is who Jesus is to me. And man, that's just important. It's been huge for my life. And man, if you ever want to hear about it, I'd love to tell you. But like, that's why I don't do, or that's why I have. That's why this goes, that's just it. It's Jesus in my heart doing something amazing in me because I'm not who I used to be. And that character comes from Christ. That's a big deal. Number two is this. Um, number two is just information. We live in the information age. I just, you know that, right? So we are constantly surrounded by great resources, whether it's books or, or, or you know, message. Like, like there would be the easiest thing in the world for like, because we all know that like people go through seasons of life of incredible difficulty. We know that coworker who just lost a loved one. We know that coworker who, who their spouse is sickened in the hospital. And it's so easy for us to come on and say, hey, you know, what? I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And, and you know what? My, my, my pastor was just talking about this. I thought I'd just pass along to you. you. You don't have to listen to it. I don't even know if you believe or not. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And maybe this book would help. Maybe this CD would help. Maybe this, I, I just wanted to pass along something to you that I thought might be some hope in you. It is a subtle way to make a big difference. Number three is this, everybody say invitations. Yeah, there's just something about invitations. Like, um, I, inviting people to church is actually kind of like the easiest way to kind of pull that off, if you ever think about it. Like, inviting people to church. Because when we think about, th think about this idea. Jesus calls his disciples, and the very first thing he tells them, I, I get this, very first thing he tells them is this, you roll with me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Very first thing he told them. Like, I'm a, now look, now if I looked at you, <laughs> And the very first thing I'd say about, look, I'm going to make you uh, holier and kinder and more righteous. And I'm going to make you more spiritual. I'll make you all. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus took these like, I'm sure, dirty, filthy, no good, bad mouth fishermen. He said, I'm going to make you fishermen of men, fishers of men, fishers. Of, I, I, I'm going to make you really, really good at bringing people into the kingdom of God, at bringing people in and drawing them closer to Jesus. That's what I'm going to make you good at. But normally, if you're an American, when you think about fishing, you think about rod and reel, right? And you think about this right here, right? You got to get that. This is a nice... If you ever go out with like a... Talking about people that want to talk about their stories. Oh my gosh, dude, I went fishing and my, I got the best spot. And I get fishermen talking. They'll talk forever. Yeah. And that's how we typically think of fishing. You ever go, go look up Middle Eastern fishing and you will not see a person with a rod and reel. You know what you see? A bunch of dudes with no shirt on throwing nets. Now, I'm not saying we should take our shirts off to attract people to church. That would be bad for some of us. But it's a team event. It's a team sport. It's a team effort. And so I want you to think like, 
The reason why we host services and do things and tell people about Jesus in our services and address people that are away from God in our services is so that you can just say, hey, look, I don't know everything. I don't even know maybe how to lead you directly to having a relationship with Jesus. But bless God, as a team, we can, I can just send an invitation. And by doing that, that will help. Number four is this. I talk about this one all the time. Your story. You need to know that your story is so important. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He goes, people ain't going to read the Bible. They will read you. Okay? They're never going to read the, 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 the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're going to read the, the gospel according to John and Lance and Tara and Vito. That's the gospel they're reading. Does that make sense? They're not picking up the Bible, but they're looking at you. When they read you, look at you, there needs to be that character, that joy, that differentiation. But, but eventually there's going to come a moment where you have an opportunity to tell your story. And the best thing that you can do now is be praying for that person, but be planning your story. What is my story? If I could tell my story in 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, don't be long-winded. Do not give them your autobiography. I will never see them here at New Beginnings if you do that, okay? You roll up there and you just give them your story. What's my story? If I could like summarize my story of where I was at and where I am now and how God got me here and what God's done in my life, how would I tell my story? Because your story is the most powerful thing you got. It is more, it is more powerful than, 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 in terms of this, it's more powerful than how many scriptures you can memorize and share with them. It, it's just more powerful because they will argue the Bible with you. They will argue all kinds of things with you. They cannot argue your story. That's yours. You own it, they can't take that away from you. Know what your story is. And then lastly is this, is, is seasonal celebrations are huge. Like, I'm telling you what, if you got those one of those workplaces, it's just tough. It's a tough nut to crack, and it's hard to, like, get in and help. And I mean, you're, sometimes, oh, look. Is this is Delano's computer. It's 11.05 if you're taking medicine. Are we going to bring it back? Should I just turn it off? We're back. You do your best. It's gone. Do I have those? No, nope. it doesn't even matter. What's I talking about? <laughs> Seasonal celebrations. And I'm going to tell you something. We're coming up on Christmas, right? There's something about little, little six-pound, four-ounce baby Jesus, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby Jesus. I, there's something about the holidays. Hey, what are you doing on Christmas Eve? Hey, my church has a candlelight service. Would you like to come? I mean, it's as simple. There's something about Easter, there's something about, yeah, everybody knows, man. I just know it's a religious holiday. It's special. Maybe I'll just, because I'll be a once-a-year guy. And maybe if we can get him to be a once-a-year guy, we'll get him to be a twice-a-year guy or a twice-a-year girl. And then we'll get him to be a once-a-month person. We'll just, we'll just get him there. But I'm telling you, there's something about Christmas and Easter and seasonal celebrations where you can just kind of slip something in and help somebody or just, and what you're always looking for. You're always praying for your coworkers, loving on your coworkers, being liked for your coworkers. But you're looking for that divine moment where it's almost like two windows coming together at the same time and you get to jump through. It's almost like they're in the right place. I've got a moment to share my story. They're asking questions and I got an opportunity to invite them to church. I've got a, I, they're struggling and I've got an opportunity to pass along this book or this thing or this whatever it is. And you're always looking for these windows to kind of come into play to where they're in the right place because you know this to be true. You were not always in the right place for somebody to invite you or love on you or pray for you. You had times in your life where you would have, you would have rejected that. Help me know, like I'm the same way. I didn't become a Christian the first time somebody asked me and told me about Jesus. 
It was a bunch of times before I, because it has to do with me being in the right place and then you coming along at the right moment and being light in their world. And you have those things kind of converge and collide. Their need, their moment with your story and your invitation, they come together and life change happens. So in light of everything we talked about, I want to read this to you one more time and then we're going to pray. Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When it comes to your nine to five, I want you to ask yourself the question, how can I be light in that world? Let's pray this morning. God, above all, I I thank you that at some point, your grace completely, completely captured me, rescued me, helped me, saved me. God, I thank you so much for forgiveness and salvation. Salvation right here, right now, and in the life to come. I thank you for the hope that is within me. But God, don't. Don't let me bury that hope in my heart. Don't let me hide that light under a basket, God. Let me recognize that you did something in me so that we could help other people connect to you in that same way. So God, I pray for everyone here, God, that they would be thinking right now about that person, the one in that cubicle, in that office, down the hall from them, the one that they sit next to all the time, the one that they go to lunch with every once in a while, that person. God, would you bring them into their mind right now? their name, picture of their face. God, we pray for them right now. And God, I just, I pray for them. God, I I don't know their story, but I pray that God, that you would open up their heart, that you would soften their heart, that you would open up their mind, that God, you'd bring them into the right opportunity. But God, I pray for the people listening, God, that when that moment comes, they'll step into the moment with their story, with their invitation, with their love, with their prayers, whatever it is, God. God, we... We love being at church on a Sunday morning. We thank you for the light that's within here, but God, help us to take the light into the darkest places that are around us, God. Help us to love people, engage with people, and show the world what you look like. Lord, that is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.